This episode of the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast has been brought to you by our sponsors at Sweet Cheetah Publicity. Sweet Cheetah is a PR collective that values people over profit. They put a different spin on public relations by working primarily with friends and using all profits to aid charitable organizations. With a roster that includes Jawbox, The New Amsterdam's, Brainiac, Get Some, Funeral Date, Damien Dunn, and many more artists, record labels, and podcasts. Sweet Cheetah. That's a great PR cohort. You can find them on social media by simply searching Sweet Cheetah PR, and they'll be there. He's been Tim. I've been Peter. And Sweet Cheetah has been beautiful. edition of the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. I'm your host, Peter, and I am still here. And tonight, I have Dave Neesmith. Dave has been in an enormous amount of bands that I really, really love, cherish, and are a part of my life story. Dave has been in the infamous Men's Recovery Project. He's been in Bats and Mice, Regents, Sleepy Time Trio, The Raw Bras, Maximilian Colby, so many bands. My goodness, Love It Records really have their hands full with the Dave Neesmith discography. Tonight we discuss all of the new projects he has on the horizon. Um, some a return to some of his old groups. Uh, some of it has to do with his solo work that is on the horizon. All of it is as dynamic and packed with emotion as everything he'd done before that you may or may not be familiar with. But I can tell you, it's worth your time, it's powerful, and it is one million percent honest. This is part one of our conversation because Dave and I really hit it off in a pretty spectacular way. So much so that for over three hours, we discussed music, life, art, beauty, um, and some of the less than wonderful experiences that came along with his times playing in the bands he played in. Not all of it's bad. Actually, most of it's pretty hilarious, uh, heartwarming, awe-inspiring. And there's one or two stories that are very, very heart-wrenching, but that's life. We all experience those ups, downs, ways around. That being said, um, please rate, review, subscribe, like, um, follow me on social media, you know, uh, share my content, whatever you can do to let your friends know that the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast is something that you love and that they should pay attention to. I have to say, these conversations that I've been having over the past two years 
have made a difference in uh, my outlook on life, on music, on the people that create the music that I love, and it has been invaluable in my own progression as an adult human being. I hope that they mean as much to you as they do to me. With that being said, I present to you Dave Neesmith on the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast, part one. since you know i'm talking to you is i have been listening to your music since i was a teenager oh legit like like yeah yeah and you were involved with sam mcfeeders at one point were you not oh yeah yeah i was in men's recovery project yes you were men's recovery (laughs) project played a show in my hometown and if i'm remembering correctly i I talked to justin from the locust about this a couple times Mm -hmm. uh uh, <laughs> the exhaust of the van got hooked up through the back of the venue and got blown <laughs> into the club for a couple seconds. Yeah. I, and, I, I mean, that that tour I was not on. Okay. But, I, but you like, know, like, I'm not yeah. crazy. That happened. Yeah, but the way I... Skritza, from, uh, the drummer for Men's Recovery yeah. Project. So yeah. what had happened was I was in Men's Recovery Project. Like, they had started and done a little bit and then I joined with Skritza, 
um, John Skritza, who was in Rob yeah. Ross with me. And I was, oh, the Rob, I'm, I, I, I had the best time of my life at a Rob Ross show in, at the Stalag 13 in Philly, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh my God. That was so, I love playing Philly. Speaking of yeah. Pennsylvania. Oh man. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, like we, like, well, I'm, I'm high school friends with both Marie and John. Like that's how yeah. we got started. And John was in Hoogall and Hose Got Cable. And, you know, I would like, you know, I mean, it was just part of the growing up in my area with all this, you know, that punk music that was part of it. And yeah. that was like, I grew up outside of Manassas, Virginia, and then DC was right there. But anyway, like, um, so John, so I would join the band and we did a few tours. Like I was on the Alaska tour, which is just ridiculous. Like, yeah, men's recovery project tours were entirely different from any other tour i've been on well i mean one because (laughs) sam yeah sam and neil (laughs) it was so like i have i get my wife she doesn't laugh about anything about my tours except for the tour story she will she wants men's recovery project stories and they are just (laughs) ridiculous like they like sam and neil are like i love them so much but they are two of the most ridiculous like human beautiful they're They're beautiful beautiful. they're absolutely beautiful human beings and just so loving and but they are like i don't i don't it's just they're a gift i mean they're a gift to this world because of their how eccentric they are, you know? And, and so John and I have always like, you know, we're very in sync and would play the music and (laughs) Sam and Neil would just be like, who knows where they are? Like, and like Neil, we would, we would do about like, and the ridiculous thing we'd do like two practices before we'd go on tour. Yeah. And but John and I lived together, so we would practice a little bit more. But Neil would like dial in all his um, effects and everything, and like he'd be so ready to go, you know, like oh, like I I've got everything, and you know he's got this voice, like hey, oh God, Dave, Dave, <laughs> Dave and John, I'm so ready for this tour. I'm ready, you know. I got I got all this dialed in, all my sounds. And then, and then we'd go and we would play a show and he would be like, it would just be noise. It would be yeah. like nothing, you know, like, and it would just be John and I. And then I kind of, and of course we're wearing some ridiculous, like I wore a statue of David mask and John was wearing a, <laughs> was wearing a woman's high heel shoe mask. And Neil has his, face taped up and like with uh, a gimp mask and no Sam yeah. has his face taped up Neil has a gimp mask and and we're all wearing little boys sweaters yeah. and like mine was like a Jurassic Park sweater they like came right below you know like right up like I was basically Britney Spears you know like <laughs> <laughs> just like midriff I mean it was just so ridiculous but the whole thing too would be like I was vegan at the time yeah. and Sam would, yeah, I'm skinny, but Sam would always be like, 
he, we would we he would be like David. I am going to be self-controlled on this tour. Like he'd be like so serious. <laughs> like I'm gonna be I'm gonna be like you. I'm I'm gonna eat <laughs> healthy. <laughs> I'm gonna be so like ready for this tour. And he would at the first rest area out of Richmond, like because we were all living in Richmond at that point. Yeah. At first rest area or first convenience store, he would just come to the van and he'd have like ding dongs and he would be eating them. <laughs> And then he would look at me and then he would just smash the ding dong like all over his face. Like he was like, and then he'd be like, you have more self-control in your little pinky than I have in my whole body. <laughs> and I don't, pure, it's hard. Pure id. He's pure yeah, id. Yeah, exactly. And he always was. And, I, and he always and, was. Yeah. So the first tour, that's the other thing is like how ridiculous the whole thing was. Because the first tour, we, I, we toured with Hose Got Cable. Yeah. And uh, this is when I found out that, that I'm not a roadie. Like, I roadied for Hose Got Cable, and I roadied for Young Pioneers, but I was like, I, I, I have to play. Like, I, I, like, have, like, and both of those were so short. Like, just a weekend, Young Pioneers asked me to do it. And yeah. then, like, um, Hose Got Cable was, I was on tour with them with the Men's Recovery Project. So men's recovery project, we go, we play 501 in Chapel Hill. Yeah. And then Neil was like, Oh, I I got a call from my girlfriend. The the cats are out of the house. <laughs> and Sam and Neil just drive back to Richmond. And like, oh my god, wait, aren't we gonna play aren't we gonna do a tour? <laughs> and I just keep going with Hose Guy Cable. And I'm like, okay, oh I'm gonna I guess I'm just gonna be with them. And the plan was anyway, I was only going to do part of the tour with Men's Recovery. We were going to play and then then I was going to roadie a, a whole country. So then I, we played Georgia. I mean, I didn't play. I just was the roadie for Hose Got Cable. And mm -hmm. oh, my gosh, I was like, I can't do all this. Helping put stuff on stage and all this I without that release of like of playing the music, you know, it just something about that was missing. So like I, by the time they caught up to us, so then they found the cats <laughs> and then Neil drives back and it was Sam. And then we finally play a couple shows to like, and then we get to Tallahassee. And then I was like, I'm sorry, hose got cable. I'm, <laughs> I'm going home. You know, yeah. like I can't, I can't do this anymore. Um, so I played the shows and then went home and then we were going to join that like they went around the country and then we went hey so we went to we played philadelphia men's recovery mm -hmm. project played uh, like one of the like what was a unitarian church or something the, fir the first unitarian church i was there yeah. yeah 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 exactly you were at that show yeah oh my gosh yes, I, so was. I didn't miss the men's recovery project show i didn't miss oh. it i mean i was a no. born against freak so yeah men's recovery oh, project yeah, yeah, yeah. was my shit for sure <laughs> yeah, yeah. so then we're heading we're driving to that show from richmond and then you're 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 lucky that i think yeah it was um sam's girlfriend at the time pushed them to keep going because they kept on we would stop and sam and neil would be like ah fuck it like we can't we can't make it to the show and then Neil just turns to me. He's like, David, this is a shit sandwich on a shit toast or something. <laughs> like, 
like they were they were they convinced themselves that the show was already over and they weren't gonna make it and like this was like you know not worth going and then uh sam's girlfriend was like just go keep going you're gonna make it go play the show pose got cable to play first you know you'll make it so we made it and yeah. then um and <laughs> i don't know if you if you remember this part of the show but sam's girlfriend was um kim was in the back doing the merch table mm-hmm. and sam just played the show and i think there were little kids chairs like around and we yeah. and like i was walking on the little kids chairs while we were playing the show and sam was walking <laughs> like we and then sam just takes off running and he just <laughs> takes out the entire table of merch <laughs> like just knocks it all off <laughs> and like kim just she just was like completely stoic like she just yeah she was very stoic i remember yeah she didn't I... even she, he flew past her and she didn't even look at him she was like Poof. like and all the merch was just on the floor like this that's i mean it's amazing like I, I, that is she like, was so used to him it was it was as yeah. if it was yeah. as if like she lived with a, a an insane toddler at all times and yeah. she just dealt yeah. with it yeah yeah, and, yeah exactly but the thing about sam is he's an insane toddler but he's a, a genius yeah oh totally like yeah I, like in my opinion completely a genius but yeah. he's so un, unhinged that he's yeah. he's like a god like th- there's something about sam mcfeeters that will reverberate through generations of punk rockers that, that oh yeah maybe maybe don't see eye to eye with yeah. You know, like 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 the 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 more straight-laced hardcore of your, you know, like the straight yeah, edge yeah. people and everything, but there are the political people who like young pioneers and 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 like the Rob Ross. Right. will always remember Sam McFeeters as this affable psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> always yeah. brought his A game of of psychosis to right. everything. Yeah. And you know that kind of reverberated through everything you did too from oh, you know sleepy yeah. time trio right through like i remember the rob Ross playing the stalag 13 with the locust and my oh, yeah. old band yeah. and you guys almost burned that fucking place down but like the rob Ross stole that show and it was a big show uh Aww. scott scott bybin from Bloodlink records had a puppet show that he did that night it was like a political right, yeah, puppet yeah. show you remember all yeah. that stuff they did oh yeah um, yeah yeah and they were i remember they were like um, shadow puppets weird heads too like yeah and i remember climbing up next to one <laughs> and like like being next to it on the pa speaker yeah i don't know if it was me or john like kissed this big head while we were playing <laughs> or something it was just all this <laughs> i mean that that whole like it reminds me of like Philadelphia was so amazing because like when one of the first shows that I ever played out of town was Max Colby played mm-hmm. with a veil. Yeah. I remember that too. Yeah. You were there. That yeah. One? I listen, oh my God. I was a big avail fan, but I was a big Maximilian Colby fan. Like big oh, man that I remember the floor during a veil was like, I, I stood away from the middle because I was like, this floor is <laughs> like going up. It was up sketchy. It was yeah, sketchy. Yeah. Bobo that, that... was even freaked out that night, I remember, from a veil. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. that dude does not scare easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm in uh, junior high school. I'm, I'm in sixth grade. And I, I go to see Seven Seconds because they're playing at an arcade in my hometown. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That was pivotal because <clears throat> I could touch it and feel it. And yeah, I, I met Kevin Seconds and I bought a sticker and, and a, uh, like a record from him. You know, I bought the crew off of Kevin. Yeah. It was palpable. It was it was interactive. There was no separation between uh, rock star as it were, and, and fan, those totally. walls were broken completely down. Yeah. And I, I was in a band a week later, man, oh, a week awesome. later, I was yeah. in a hardcore band, you know, yeah, exactly. And, Cause and this, this also... was like 87. Wow. I mean, also because there's a feeling that, Oh, I could do this too, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because I feel there's, you know, with people who, don't understand like I, my wife would she's amazing mm -hmm. but she wasn't she's into she's always been to alternative music indie music one of her favorite band is paul though yeah. you know which is like this local math rock well paul like rock. Yeah. Paul legendary yeah. legendary yeah so the the on merge here in north carolina but they you know, like, um, she didn't understand Sleepy Time Trio. Like, she didn't, like, because we started dating, you know, after it. Yeah. And, you know, got married after it. Like, one, so then I was like, oh, I'm going to play this reunion show uh, with Action Patrol. Yeah. This is actually kind of funny because it was a total surprise. Like, we were going to play Richmond, and, and what we did was we didn't tell anybody and we just dressed up as action patrol because we're <laughs> friends with all those guys. And, yeah. um, we dressed up and then we came up and played two songs. Um, and <laughs> it was a, such a fun thing to do. And I love that. I love, it was like such a surprise. And I remember as we started getting up, there was a guy next to me who just went, Oh shit. <laughs> like, just like, like, and that was just, it made it for me. Like that he realized what was, a. I mean, not, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be like tooting my own horn about this, but it, no, no, it was not just, at all. But, but the whole, the experience of it, that it just went insane. Like the whole room just went insane. Like just yeah. people jumping over each other. Like as soon as we broke, we did Jesus extract and then we did rock candy and then we were done. Like yeah. that was just, that was it. And as I walked up the stage and like my, my wife was like, Oh, I get it now. <laughs> like, yeah. She was like, I understand because it's an energy thing. She was like, this is, you know, it, it, that's what I, I, that's what drew me. in. Like I went to positive four shows and saw, you know, I, I saw Fugazi as a young kid and that energy, you know, like I saw a show with Fugazi, Verbal Assault and Soulside, mm -hmm. like 1988 or something at a church in D.C. And everybody is just together, like just, yeah. you know, especially at that is, time, especially yeah. at that time. Yeah. 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 And that energy is just something that I, I was like, Oh, like when you said, like, I want to pick up a 
instrument and play or i want to be in a band like i want to do this yeah you know you want to be part of that energy and you want to give it back you know it's like a cyclical or you know it's just part of this oh this is a wonderful thing that we're all part of you it's know? almost it's almost like a uh, a hippie thing and people don't see that yeah uh, especially now but there was a very very positive very reciprocal vibration between all of us and you know like mm -hmm. r right when sleepy time trio was really picking up steam yeah you know that sound which was born of fugazi and rites of spring mm -hmm. and the whole uh you know like revolution summer vibe mm -hmm. <clears throat> it became what people refer to now as like emo or proto emo but to me yeah. it was it was really just the next logical step in the story of of what we call hardcore right um, be, because yeah. melody was injected into it and, and it became yeah. it became more uh I, I i i hasten to call it emotional but certainly more more of a release for everyone no that that's be what i yeah I'm, I, I do not shy away from that emo label at all. As far as emo as I like right to spring, like those exactly. kind of bands were, were my wheelhouse, you know, yeah. and revolution summer, all that. And it's kind of funny because I remember, um, Scritz had telling me about how, like, you know, when he and his, you know, um, uh, his friends, before we started hanging out, um, they were very like, oh, into Minor Threat and all this stuff, and then Embrace and all this came out. Yeah. And then they were like, what is this shit? Is This is, this is fucking poetry. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> trying to make fun of it, but then they were like, actually like, oh, we're, we're actually into this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it, it, it's because it, it became undeniable. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, you get to a point where yeah, we all love negative approach, okay? But it doesn't always have to be hammering you in the face right, to, to yeah. be intense. I thought the intensity got dialed up right around yeah. that that, re that real sweet spot where, where you guys were involved and, uh, you know, bands like Heroin were happening. And, oh, my God, yeah. And yeah. then on the West Coast, we had, you know, the, the beginnings yeah. of Sunny Day Real Estate. Yeah. It, it became progressive. It became, I think, more of a, almost an existential explosion because yeah, yeah. people start to, started to become more conscious of the fact that this thing isn't just a gut level response to what have you. It was, yeah. it was a state of being and we became yeah. more communal through that. Right. Right. And, yeah, totally. Yeah. And, I, and, and people yeah. miss that. They miss that. Yeah. I actually, so I was at, um, it was like 91 and my, so, uh, my friend drew drew Ringo, who's, um, I love, and he's been in, um, sleepy time, Max Colby regents with me. Yeah. Um, he, so he happened to be with me and John Skritza at nine 30 club when, 
uh, gosh, I wish I could remember who the opening band was. It's like Pitch Blend or something. And then, and then Drive Like Jehu was going to play. Mm-hmm. And he had not heard of Drive Like Jehu. This was like <laughs> early, you know, like not many people had heard of them. And I was like, he was going to go home. He's like, oh, I just want to see Pitch Blend or whoever it was and go home. And I was like, stick around. Mm. Like, <laughs> like you've got to see this band. And um, so we stuck around and it just, it's changed our lives. Like we were just like, this is amazing. And I think, so then it wasn't until 93 though that we, um, Max Colby started playing um, but there was always this idea of a band and I didn't even get a guitar until I graduated. Like my guitar, the first guitar was, I graduated from high school and my parents gave me a guitar and I went away to college at JMU and met all these folks, but I still, you know, I was in the punk scene in high school, but I was, I actually, my first bands in college were rap bands. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I was in these rap bands that because like I was a punk rocker, but I really loved. I'm wearing a Public Enemy hat right now. Nice, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah, I loved Public Enemy. I love Black Planet sitting right there. Yes. Uh, <laughs> at, oh man, I, I saw Public Enemy in '91 in Baltimore. It was amazing. It was amazing. Did you see them with Sisters of Mercy? I don't know if I saw. It was like a full on. Um, or the like, Anthrax Primus. It was like no, it was like um, all rap, like oh, Naughty okay. by Nature, Queen Latifah, Leaders of the New School, which the Leaders of the New School record is one of my favorite wow. of all time. Yeah, I the mean, Inner I'm, Minds Isle, yeah, that, like that Busta Busta Rhymes in in as a zygote, basically. Yeah, yeah. fucking oh incredible, God. incredible. Yeah. I mean, this was him and um, Charlie Brown, or like, I mean, like it was just outstanding. Yeah, I mean that that record is, I think as far as like a album that rap album that people have slept on, like Paul's Boutique is there. Yeah, and but then that, people now know that uh, Inner Mind's uh, Eye is like another one that people uh, as a know about. as a Native Tongues era record. Yes, yeah, like which they're all like De La. As much as it was difficult oh, yeah. for people to obtain these records because of the whole licensing thing, um, right. You know, tribe had their that they, they made their mark. Even black sheep were in like uh, yeah. a, a a scion commercial or something uh, <laughs> right. with the hamsters yeah. or whatever. Yes. Um, yes, but but leaders of the new school for as uh, important and as ubiquitous as Busta Rhymes became, like people didn't know Charlie Brown was so he was just so good. And he if you listen so, to yeah. like scenario. Which is a, oh tri- my God. a tribe called Quest song. It is largely, yeah, leaders of the new school involved. Yes, and and I don't know the their verses are the standout verses in the track, and it's a tribe song, which is the yeah. mi- mind blower. You know, I was like, why did they not? I I watched that rap thing for the Grammys. Yeah, I was like, I'd love seeing Buster, but I was like what's the scenario should have been like, why is that not there? Like <laughs> row, row, like a dungeon dragon, change yeah, exactly. your little drawers. Cause your pants are sagging. Yeah. Like, where are yeah. you, man? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so good. 
not only um, is, is anyway, it... yeah. So I I was in these. So my in college years, I was like in these rap band that was like politically motivated, you know, because I'm super far left wing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but like I I was in these like that was that was my like I could do this, you know, I could rap. Mm-hmm. I still couldn't play guitar yet. I was practicing and practicing, but I wasn't like where I could get to play. And then, it, so it wasn't until my junior year of college that I started to play with Max Colby and Drew was forming the band and we got Tom Richard and, and Bob and, um, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> It's hard to talk about Bob, but like, um, yeah, of course, you know, like w- we, um, you know, I, when I first started, I was just playing, playing like the single note, like things like, <laughs> and it was all this like dynamics, but I was so excited and we were all excited. And so when you brought up heroin, like the hair, we were excited about heroin, we're excited about slint oh, and, then the yeah. whole, and drive like Jehu. And so we were like, how do we marry Slint and heroin and drive like Jehu? How do we put that together? Yeah. You know, and um, and we we loved Hoover. Oh we were my like, God, the same. link, the Lincoln Hoover seven inch. Yes. Yeah, I know. But we were like, how can we make it even harder and softer? Like we wanted to be like this artsy sort of dynamic band we were in college and we're like yeah you wanted to pixies the shit out of it yeah yeah Yeah. exactly yeah Yeah. and but the wonderful thing too was that we were a band that was in this scene where there were so many different genres of music at college Mm -hmm. but all the like jonathan put this so well like it's just like as Jonathan Fuller, who was the drummer for Sleepy Time, like he went to JMU, like it was all this. You were just kind of put together as like a freak scene. So if you were just different in any way, like you were a hippie, you were like, you, you got, know, you got punk, shuffled you in. Were, yeah, you were just like because it was such a small town, such a small college. It was just like, oh, we're all together and we all love each other's bands. And I would go see bands that were playing like straight up, you know, like, hey, this is a 70s rock revival band. But it's awesome because they're my friends and they're just, you know, who cares? Like that was my having fun. Yeah, that was that was the pencil. The the northeastern Pennsylvania scene was the same thing because the weirdos no matter what your musical bent was packed yeah. together. So there was a, there was a, like a hippie kind of like almost not jam band, but jammy. Right. Right. right exactly. Yeah. That that would play with like my band. That was almost, almost power violence, but not quite because <laughs> yeah, nice. you yeah. know, the, like the, the, the <laughs> our only idea of power violence was infest because infest was oh. the, they invented it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we were aping that in our best way possible. And we're playing with these like jammy, like hippie psychedelic bands. And it was all good because we we're all friends. Yeah. And they, and they're supporting you. You're supporting them. Yeah, man. And that's, that's, it's amazing. 
And um, so it was just like, but then these other bands would come through that were like, you know, like Maxime Colby played with Bikini Kill and Nation of Ulysses in like a basement, Oh man! you know, in Harrisonburg, you know, like, um, and that would happen all the time, you know, where like, you know, we opened for um, Jawbox, you mm-hmm. know, like it uh, and at these ballroom and oh my gosh, it just, and speaking, yeah, I mean, I love Jay. I no, mean, Jay's he, the best. Yeah. I mean, he recorded Phoebe uh, Times first record. Yeah. So, and that, I think that was his first, that was his first, um, I think I told you, yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that was his first um, uh, band that he ever recorded, like kind he, of professionally. He brought it up when, when he was on the show. Oh, that's awesome. He did. Yeah. He did. He brought I'm, it up. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, that's right. I love that record. And like, yeah, yeah. Jay it, is exactly who he was 30 years ago like yeah for, for sure because i met yeah. him 30 years ago and he was yeah. then who he is now he's not a different guy yeah but that's what crazy it's crazy to meet those folks like that because i was a young you know whatever 14 to i was a teenager like a you know teenager going to these shows and i would be looking up on stage and seeing this guy yeah and Oh my gosh. I, I was just, and then when we went to record with him, I was like awestruck. And then, I mean, he was just so nice. I mean, he's yeah. one of the nicest guys out there. And his politics and, are exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then when we went to record Regents, he played bass on the record. Mm-hmm. And I watched him play bass in the studio for my record and i was like this is not happening this is amazing <laughs> this is this is incredible like one of the best bass players in this genre and he is just and he's excited about it yeah and oh man he, yeah it was amazing he's, he still loves the music and and yeah. you know you know it's it's not like you know, any of us are reinventing the wheel, but we definitely put our mark on it. And what, yeah. what, what I love about that, the, the Regents record is, you know, what he did for it served the music. It's not like he tried to mm-hmm. get out alongside of it and put his flourish on it. No, it served the song every time, yeah. you know, and totally. that's, that is the mark of a consummate professional and, somebody who really likes what they're doing i know yeah yeah that's exactly that's a bigger deal than anyone listening who isn't a musician will realize if you are a musician you'll get it you'll yeah you'll get it one million percent you have to love it yeah exactly and and he he's not afraid of creating in the studio which is what i'm so used to like i um you know, I've gone to the studio with, I think for the Regents record, we went in for, with almost like just half of ideas. Yeah. And then it was me and Jason, like just kind of Jason Hammaker, like mm-hmm. just jamming on the ideas and then getting some structure and then filling it out. And, but like completely, like I've never, like, I'm not afraid of that. Like that's, that's like, 
that's what made that's that where record. I love that. Yeah, that's what made that record so like spacious and airy, though. Like there's, mm-hmm. un unlike like you go through Sleepy Time, Bats and Mice, Max Colby. Like it, there's something yeah. about that record that has breathing room. Oh yeah, that I dig a right, lot. Right, because mm-hmm. because it feels free. It feels yeah. like like you went in there with ideas and 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 intent mm-hmm. and you let it happen yeah it, to me it's just like listening to the first like like quicksand slip slip oh, slip man. is yeah. o- is open yeah it, it's airy and it, it but it's dense it's yeah. dense sound wise idea wise there's a lot of like you could tell they were going off the cuff with a lot of this shit yeah maybe not true maybe not dine alone but certainly like the latter half of the record the last five songs Mm -hmm. uh it 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 opens up and it gets into a space where it doesn't meander but it definitely like it allows itself to kind of build on 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 uh grooves more than themes right that's a good point man that that record is so good it's it, yeah. I, I can't say it's underappreciated because it's well appreciated by us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there's there's an aspect to that record that I think only musicians get. And mm-hmm. what what that is is it's probably the most literate, musically literate uh document of a time period that otherwise would have been glossed over by a lot of the the thuggish aspects of a hardcore uh but they 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 along with into another and and a couple really great standouts in the revelation record set let their freak flag fly yeah that's i mean like i saw quicksand in my gosh i mean in my college years and i think they were playing virginia tech and so Mm -hmm. we drove down from harrisonburg and um like at some point during the show like they were like um hey what do you guys want to hear or something and someone just yells out morrissey and like and they the play crowd, how soon as now exactly the crowd oh, laughs oh, 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 and then they, they were like it. okay and they played how soon is now oh, my no God. one had ever like it wasn't out there like it was just the seven inch was out at that point right was it out oh my god i hadn't even heard it and i was just like blown away like i was just because i love that song and like it was just astounding like just and also like you know like those guys and all these like musicians that i appreciate you know don't care about you know how it should be like how it should be you know right like, you know like they want they just they love music like i love the i love the indigo girls like indigo indigo girls are like one of my favorite bands well if you and, like folk music and you don't like the indigo girls yeah, where, yeah. what I, I i will tell you in all honesty and i know this mm-hmm. to be true because laura jane grace loves the indigo girls and it mm-hmm. makes sense because yeah. It is so well crafted. It yeah. is, and it stands out. It stands like head and shoulders above all of the other quote unquote folk music that was happening in the early '90s that 
would have you know kind mm -hmm. of like like put a little patina on the sheen of of what we would consider folk music at that point because right. it was it wasn't a, a flourishing thing americana music at large right. with the exception of whiskey town and the jayhawks wasn't really bubbling up in yeah, the yeah. early 90s right. yeah so the indigo girls were a big fucking deal exactly and like i went and saw them at like it was like meriwether post pavilion like you know it's like yeah. a big show or whatever and i'm sitting there watching this band i love them I love Amy Ray. I love Emily. Like I just, they, they are amazing at what they do. And I look over like the whole show. There's this guy who like, you know, I don't want to typecast him, but he, you know, he's like a, a jock kind of meathead guy. Didn't belong. And he, it didn't. Yeah. It just seemed weird, but he was there. He's next to me. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like, who is this guy? Mm -hmm. He sat down doing the whole set and i'm like oh he just got dragged here like he's and they played romeo and juliet and this guy stood up and just cheered the whole time like That's he was just awesome yeah he was like this is my song like that he was there and i just watched him like in ecstasy over this song and i was like that uh, that is one of my favorite songs it's and fantastic. i'm like yeah yeah and, and he like it was almost like the part of me <laughs> that was like experiences joy was outside of me watching this guy just pumping his fist. just like, you like both fists in the air, just like, and then he just sat down. He was yeah. like, that was it. He was I like, came here I, for this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and but that's, that's what, yeah, that's, that's okay. Great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like to me, like we all got to uh, kind of catch a very special moment uh, in that time period, in that early '90s time period. Yeah, y you got a specific special moment because Sleepy Time encapsulated a very, very massive little chunk of the zeitgeist because oh. your sound really cut through a lot of the noise. I loved so much of the music happening at that time period, but oh, yeah. what, what you guys did, it, it sounded almost as if you took everything that was happening. That was good at that time <laughs> and crumbled oh. it up and kind of threw it away and did your oh. own thing. And you did your own thing with it. And especially that there was something about that, the, the quality of the guitar sound that evoked melancholy through heaviness that I, I was never able to like find someone else to replicate oh that's so sweet of you i i mean yeah i i i mean for us the beginning of it was like okay let's we had max me and colby and me and drew and yeah. i well to tell you the truth like i wasn't in sleepy time when it started yeah, it was a trio. It was sleepy time trio. Mm -hmm. um, it was Ben Davis, Jonathan and Fuller and Drew Ringo and 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 they were like they had like six songs that they were like, oh, um, let's just rock, you know, like Maximine Colby is a little more pensive and like, oh, brooding and and um, like Drew was like, I've written these six songs 
as more like, Hey, I'm just going to, um, rock a little bit more, you know? Mm-hmm. And I saw them and I was just like blown away. Actually, one of, the, one of the first shows that I saw them was they played a fraternity at JMU. Wow. And that's just tell you like what JMU was like, like the fraternities were like, you know, like alternative to like they, who, you know, it was just this, it was just a fun experience, like just college in general, like so many great bands there, you know, like um, Hatchet Wound, like things that you'd never hear about, you know, that like they they were just such a great time. But um, and I had a pop punk band there called Gefilte Fish. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <man. laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, so uh, Jonathan's throne like fell down during their set and I'm watching them and I like he like his throne that he was drumming on like just like he was crumbling so I went behind him and I just hugged him and like held him up and his (laughs) to like keep him drumming but as he's drumming his like elbows are coming behind me and like hitting me (laughs) in the face (laughs) and so um but then like so Drew was so I Drew is actually a year younger than me. So I had already graduated, but I was coming back for Max Colby practices and um uh Gefilte Fish practices and um uh Drew asked me, he was like, Can you play a couple songs with Sleepy Time? We're gonna play uh, end of the like a graduation party at one of the houses. And I was like, sure, I'll, you know, I've got an idea. And so I came and I played and it was on a monopia. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, here's a song idea and let's play that. And then we'll go into a song that you already have and I'll just play along with it. I think it was all ease or something. And um, I remember, so I just was in the crowd um, next to my friend, Jeff, Jeff Zimmerman, who's like a stand up comic in New York now. Yeah. He's awesome. And and this is like to show you like the, the eccentric sort of crowd that was at JMU. And so like I'm next to him and um, he's just, he turns to me. He's like, this band is, you know, fucking awesome. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, I'm going to go join them. <laughs> it was like, then it was like right before I went up and I was, I walked up and I like played and it just like it exploded and i was like this is okay that i gotta be in this and like we just had so much fun but then the it was such an emotional release like um i remember turning around and seeing jonathan wasn't even playing the drums anymore he was punching the wall (laughs) 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 and everybody in this basement was just going nuts and like I don't even know what happened at that point. Like everything was just crazy. And that's what, yeah, it just, then I was like, okay, all right, I'm, I'm in like, (laughs) and, and that's what, yeah. Sleepy time was like this. I mean, I love sleepy time trio so much, but it, it was. I'll never forget the first time I saw sleepy time. Yeah. And it was like, it wasn't in Philly. It was in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, I think. Oh really? Was I in the band? I was. Yes. I had to be. Yeah, we didn't. You were. Play you were. Yeah. Of, yeah. 
you you guys didn't get outside of your state uh before you you were in the band yeah it was like six months before they started and then like six months later i was yeah in the band yeah and it was like i think like a fire hall show or something and i never i never heard of you guys and i remember leaving and being like my buddy Jay Hudock, who was in an Albatross, a bunch of great bands. Oh, we, wow. We, nice. we, we played in a bunch of bands together, pre, prequel to an Albatross, but we walked out of that show. We drove, our parents didn't know we drove that far south that night, <laughs> okay. as a matter of fact. But we walked out and we were like, this is, this is the future. This is like the, this is what it's going to, this is what hardcore is going to sound like. And, and it, it didn't quite end up that way, but boy, did we think it should have been. And we were oh. so happy about it because yeah. you you guys really did inhabit sort of a a rarefied space. I mean, you know, yeah, that yeah. was the reason you joined the band. You know what I mean? Yeah, there was yeah, something yeah. right. There was yeah. something really about that sound oh, yeah. that made uh, you know uh, it, it drew up emotion that yeah. i wasn't really even completely comfortable with in the confines of hardcore music at that time period <laughs> yeah. you know what yeah. i mean yeah it was interesting because i joined and then um so i don't know like i think i brought in a little more of the like oh here's here's a little more of the max colby kind of oh like um stuff like that we had been doing but then i still was so excited about um the the more intensity of of sleepy time mm. and then you know like uh, obviously bob passed i had actually joined sleepy time and um we so we played a show in richmond and um that was when like i saw bob at that show and he had all these sores all over him and i i heard you know like oh this is um it's hard to talk about but like that he had gotten you know beat up by the police for like the police in richmond were trying to beat up a homeless person i mean i don't know if you know this story or not but no i'm i, I mean I, it, i've heard bits and pieces not the not the real yeah I mean, he, so he had, was sitting at a bar. This is not something you should do, but I mean, he was sitting in a bar in Richmond and there's a big glass window and there's cops beating up a homeless guy like across the street and they're bike cops, like bicycle cops in yeah. Richmond. And so he just runs out there drunk and he's like oh steals tries to steal one of their bikes mm -hmm. but he's so drunk and and like the kickstand is down he can't get far and the cops just beat the shit out of him you know and he um then they take him to jail and um what we had learned later so then this is where so sleepy time I'm still in Max Colby. Max Colby is still a band, you yeah. know. Um, so Sleepy Time comes and plays Richmond. And um, I talked to Bob. And, like, I see him with all these sores and everything. And, like, what happened? 
and um, he's like, oh yeah, I got put in jail and and uh, you know blah blah blah, and um, and I'm like, oh man, that's terrible. And then you know, Sleepy Time had done this little tour. I get home. I call Bob and leave him a message like, hey, we promised, you know, um, Action Patrol, we're going to do a split seven inch with them. Um, so let's schedule some recording time. I want to, you know, get together with you and, and figure out these songs. And, um, and then didn't hear anything back. And then it was like Friday, I get home from work. I, I was done with college. I was working at this um, video game. I was like a video game tester mm. <laughs> after college for these really crappy, like, you know, you know mouse point and click kind of games. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, and uh, so I get home from work and my mom had found out about. So I was staying at home after college for a year and my mom had gotten a call from Drew I think it was Drew that that Bob had died, and so what had happened was he had gone to the jail, and spinal meningitis had been was like rampant in the jail. Yeah, and so he contracted it and then just died early in the morning on Friday. And Vale has a song about it. Yeah, and um, um, so then, yeah, like he, um. So then my mom told me at like five, they didn't want to call me at work. They're like, oh, let him finish work. And I was like, it's ridiculous. But I get home and I'm like, and this, my entire reality just changed, mm. you know, because I was just like, I was just like not accepting. Like I, I couldn't accept it. I was just like, this is not true. And I kept saying that. I was like, this is, that's not true. Like that. I was just like, this is not, I, it's not true. And, you know, Bob was just such a, I, I mean, he was bigger than life. Yeah. Yeah. He was just this wonderful person, just so loving and, um, you know, like it was just so tough, but like, I mean, he, I mean, it still chokes me up, but yeah. like he, you know, he's, so, you know, like, I remember, so then, like, uh, both Jonathan and Drew then, like, came over that weekend to my parents' house. And we just played music. Like, music that I remember in my brain, like, in my heart, like, mm -hmm. not in my brain, like, in my heart, that I was, like, this is some of the best music I've ever played in my life. And I can't even tell you what it was. I don't think any of it became a song, but it was just this cathartic, you know, I remember actually telling Jay after his son died that I was about this moment. Cause I was like, I was like, you know, Jay, like when not, that, not that this equates at all about my friend and your, son because i have children but like you know i turned to music in this moment of grief and it, it i i just remember playing with those guys for hours and it just 
that was all I could do, you know, and we didn't even really talk. We just, you know, that was it. That was, it was there for us. And, and I, that's the, uh, that's like the point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's what, and that's what made, you know, sleepy time. That's what made bats and mice, like all of it. It, it, oh. it, it It's all an extension of, of, yeah. you know, not just grief, but the entire experience, like human emotional yeah. experience gets shot through this prism of, 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 you know, beats and notes and, yeah. and, and so it, it gets yeah. lost on people that, yeah. you know, when you're making this music, when you're expressing these mm -hmm. notes and these beats that there's a real lifetime behind it. Yeah. It's, and it, yeah. it, it, it's, this is how, this is how I cope. This is how I yes. clear the playing yeah. field and, and get to tomorrow. Yeah. Like my, my grandmother one time, she was like, I, I noticed that every time you're upset, you pick up a guitar. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, yeah, this is, this is my, my process, you know? And, um, sorry, I was going to say something about, what you were saying before but it's so i don't know it is so true like this is it i think oh yeah i remember what it was because it relates back to my wife and her talking about music earlier and finally like when she saw it she understood like that this is it, she would say oh my you know because i'm a software engineer during the day like that's mm. what i do like i've never had it i've never you know, there were some times where I would go, you know, long times on tour, but that was like, you know, a few months on tour and I didn't have a job. But, you know, I've had a job for 20 years or more now. It's, you know, day job. Yeah. And um, which like it fulfills another part of my brain. But I, you know, she would say like at parties or whatever, like, oh, my husband, he, he also plays music when they like that. You know that quintessential like what do you do question comes up and i'd be like oh I, i'm a software engineer like i never bring it up because i you know nobody outside of this scene knows about like they don't know like yeah. what this is you know because when it comes up they would be like oh do you play your own music or do you play covers like you know yeah like, like they don't know yeah <laughs> <laughs> they just don't know yeah exactly and then i and then she would be like oh he's played japan and europe and, and i would be like and they were like what really you must be famous and i was like no i am not that no, is I'm not just in a punk band <laughs> yeah <laughs> like there's a whole other world that you do not know about it's, in which i have played this minor role but i um but you touched it, this fucking like dude that you never even heard of before over in yeah. northeastern pennsylvania who like everything you've ever done i own like it's fucking behind me on vinyl oh it's oh, there like it's all there <laughs> like the whole the, the, from stem to stern Oh. And, and, you know, when Tim brought up, like, do you want Dave Nesmith? Go, yeah, of course I do. Because there's, <laughs> yeah. I have, I, I, I have all of it. I know what it, I know what it's about. And it in, inhabits a very special 
mm-hmm. rarefied space that like we're like La Cosa Nostra. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're, 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 yeah, we're, yeah. we're our own yes. little society yes. where like rock stardom isn't a thing, but there's certainly notoriety. And oh. you, you always yeah. kind of, you always kind of, positioned yourself in the right spot to be involved with something that mattered oh well i mean and also like it wasn't like something that i'm the other thing is like i've i i i can't play other people's music (laughs) like no nor can i nor can i yeah yeah it's always been an expression of me Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like especially with like bats and mice who is like a a little bit more like you like i played it for like <laughs> parents of yeah. that i'm friends with of my kids like my kids are in so i actually had a couple of uh, my really great great friends andres and marcos like came to the studio to for this bats and mice record and they were like wow this is we didn't know you did this, this is good <laughs> like, <laughs> and i'm like so it's a little more like accessible, I guess you could say. It is. And I have, and when I play it, I think to myself, I'm like, sometimes I'm like, oh, is this too um, accessible or whatever? Like, is this too mainstream? No. And then I just, I just like, forget it. Like, this is me. This yeah. is what's coming out. You know and what it, I mean? It's not that far it's not that far from everything you'd done before. It really isn't. Oh, really? Okay. Because yeah. I, in my opinion, the sound is still there. The phrasings are still there. The, the, the emotional impact and the, the existential dread that I, I associate <laughs> right. with everything that you'd done precursor oh, to this is still, right. it's still in the sauce, right? It's still an right. ingredient. So oh, it, it yeah. doesn't feel foreign to me. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hope it's that way. I mean, I'm really excited about the new record, which is uh, funny, like I knew in quotes, because we actually recorded those bass tracks at the same time that Regents was recording the our full length. Yeah. Um, and life has completely was like gotten away. <laughs> like, of course it did. You know, both Ben Davis had both Ben Davis and I had kids during this time and you know. Um, so yeah, now we finally got back to this and I actually am still happy about that because like, I don't think I would have done. So we kind of got most of like the instruments done, Mm -hmm. but the vocals were still waiting and I don't think I would have written these vocals, you know, at all at that time. Like I would have probably done, you know, like I'm a little more vulnerable on this one. I'm not all the way where I want to be. Right. Um, which I'm, I'm working on for like, I'm actually doing a solo record. Um, but like, which yeah. I've, I've just written this, I'm re- writing the songs for where I'm trying to be more like, okay, you know, this is like, I'm actually going to, you know, try to say more that's real but like for for the new bats and rice record i i wrote a song about having panic attacks yeah you know i wrote a song about hey you know um you know can uh we live a more 
easy life, you know, where, you know, now in late stage capitalism, my wife and I are like, just like, as I was talking about earlier, like we, we have to deal with all these logistics, you know? Yeah. So I wrote a song that's like, you know, right now the working title is mellow, but I don't know what it'll be, but like, like, can we mellow out, you know? And they're, the words are much more accessible um, instead of like this puzzle. Like I wrote Bitch and Fissure for Rob Ross. Yeah. And that's like a, to me, I like it because it is like a puzzle, but it, it I mean, nobody would know what it's about. No, it's know? free association. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it, it's actually about Bobby Fisher. Yeah. And like, you know, he had just come out as being this really ridiculous racist and like, uh, and then, but it's also about the Taliban, you know, <laughs> uh, taking down the, the sculptures or the Buddha statues. And then it's also about like, yeah, it is free association. So yeah, yeah. because it's, it's about, it's you're about in... an earthquake in Seattle at the time. Like, <laughs> but yeah, like... to me, it was like, it was as if you were inhabiting Bobby Fisher's mind because he was, ah, yeah, you know, really not well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> in all reality. So when Bobby Fisher, it came out that he was like a bigot or whatever, yeah. I almost didn't take it seriously because he's mentally ill. Can oh yeah, you, you know what I mean. Like, can you really take seriously the 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 rantings of a person who is mentally ill, not medicated and unchecked? That's yeah. almost like kicking a guy when he's down. You know right. what I mean? Totally. And the way yeah. I took it was you were you were kind of shooting it through that lens. Yes. Yeah, because I was like bitching Fissure, which is about the earthquake, but then it's Bobby Fisher. Yeah, you've been so measured, you know, like, like that you have lived this life under such scrutiny, you know, scrutiny. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with not that um, Prince Harry is a bigot, but I just finished his book. Yeah, you know, and he's been so observed and so like, you know, oh, we, we have to take the measure of this person. Is he going to live up to? to princess diana like is he you know like what kind of life is that you know like it's not it's, one yeah and that's why i was kind of pissed at south park because i i don't know if you saw that i love south park but like yeah. that episode was so like you know like taking one kind of stance on this you know issue and i'm like did you even read that book or understand like that you know these what kind of life is that and not, not that one. you know not you know sure that he's lived a life of quote unquote privilege but i you know like um sorry to be so tangential but like no i saw that radio you remember the radiohead documentary yeah 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 like meeting people is easy yep. that's what it's called oh my god they they were like this sucks you know, like, yeah. like they got famous. I mean, they were already a little famous, but then OK Computer, which is a phenomenal record. Yeah. yeah. But they they hated it. Mm -hmm. so like, And it seemed, oh, my. Well, sorry. I'm now all over the place. But you know, Mark, Mark Morton is a friend who was in Lamb of God. Mm -hmm. And he was in Hugal, you know, yeah. which was the precursor to Hose Got Cable. I was there at his first practice with Hugal, like where 
um, uh, the their first guitarist was leaving, and so he was joining. And <laughs> I just remember watching Mark play the songs completely perfect. Like Mark Morton is like a genius guitar player. Yeah, he's and incredible. He, he would play the songs like perfectly, and then the other guys in the band would. He would be like, "Is that okay?" And they and we would all start laughing, and he'd be like, "Why are you laughing?" And <laughs> You know, I was just there as like a, you know, like a pseudo Bobo for Hugal and, um, and it was just like, this is amazing. Like, yeah. you're amazing. And, but he, you know, like on uh, Facebook or something years ago was like, oh, I'm, I'm playing India, you know, like, uh, I wish I was home right now. You know, so like there's this, like, I don't know, like, I feel like I've found a really good sweet spot with where I'm at. Because um, I have a day job, you know, mm -hmm. I have a family, I get to still play music. But, you know, there's that, like, why did we get on that subject? Just well, this, because you get yeah. to, you get to enjoy your family, Dave, like that you, yeah. That, it's the ultimate sweet spot because you get to do what you love. It gets to be heard to yes. whatever level. Right. But you get to be with your wife yeah, and your kids. Exactly. And there, there's that, that you're striking that, that medium that so few musicians are, are, they're not afforded that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I remember when Regents went on tour with retox, uh -huh. um, the guys in retox would be, would tell, us they would be like you you guys have it, this figured out like, mm -hmm. <laughs> like yeah you know like michael and justin would be like i what you got to drew and jason and i and i forget who was on we did a i think we did a couple tours of redux i'm not sure but um might have been um lucas who was on that tour but i don't know but anyway like um they would be like yeah you guys have this figured out and i'm not i'm not trying to say any way that you should do things but i often tell like you know like ben davis is like my best friend here in north yeah. carolina he's in bats and mice he's sleepy time we did committees together like he actually and you know, ben davis and the jets let's not forget exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh my god <laughs> he's, he's amazing i mean he's and that's the well he's just consummate like musician like he's just yep. like i'm kind of like like i had to work to be a musician like he is just naturally a musician but he so his son rick plays in bands and you know works as an engineer and i i will tell him or i tell anybody coming like another you know like uh another friend of the family their kid was you know getting into guitars and so we've hung out and like i'm like oh this is you know like <laughs> this is how to play a an octave chord like yeah. you know like and um but i'll be like look man like i don't know if you know you could quote unquote make it you know in music but you can figure out something that you can do that you like and play yeah. you know 
because like I remember being a dishwasher in Richmond and I was like, oh no, like I, <laughs> you know, like I'm not going to do this yeah. and nothing against that. But I was just like, you know, well, I guess, you know, I got kind of lucky with the internet coming along and, you know, like programming sort of, um, like HTML sort of like in the late nineties, like, Oh, like here's something that kind of works a different part of my brain that I really like. So I was able to do that, but it was still like this kind of like, Oh, this is plan B of (laughs) playing music. Like plan A might've been, you know, playing music, but plan B can't afford plan a you know so like it was just this like oh i can do both and then i've actually got a job where i can be like oh you know what i'm gonna go to europe for three weeks (laughs) and they'll be like okay like we'll see you when you get back and i'll be like really all right like it's it's not like you had to take like the dave brocky approach where mm. it's just this yeah exactly and and dave was hilarious fucking a hilarious human being but yes he he took that to a level that it was terrifying um you know there's so many different paths you can take when you're given the gift of you know having made music that resonates with people Right. right right so like the way you did it to me seems like the move because because you got to still have you know the wife the kids yeah the day job the stability and then like a couple months or a couple weeks out of the year you get to go and Mm -hmm. let that out Um, exactly yeah 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 a, a record label maybe is not going to buy into that but to to the rest of you know adult people that understand reality are going to be like yeah right on man you got to figure it out that's why justin and the retox guys were like yeah you figured it out because that's the balance you you found the fucking balance that's hard to ascertain and to put into practice yeah yeah and what you know it's still it is a balance in the same sense too because like now i am like oh how do i get this to you know i I still need to find time Mm -hmm. um and then yeah like i'm and and it's kind of it's kind of harder now because it's a little exploding (laughs) yeah (laughs) a little bit because bats and mice is picking up i'm gonna be doing this solo thing that i i actually booked time in the studio in may and then um I actually doing a guitar band again. Oh wow! With, with um, Jason Hammaker and my friend Billy Hunt, um, who was in this my pop punk band and Gefilte Fish. Yeah, and um, we're we're like dueling guitars with Jason Hammaker on drums. <laughs> so far, we're calling that release the owls <laughs> with, a, <laughs> with an exclamation point. But we practiced a few times. We got a few songs, and you know, it's like it it has been a little feast or famine and now like the feast is kind of happening 
And as the kids are, are now getting older, it's really interesting too, because, you know, I have never like pushed music on them, but they're so fascinated by it. And my oldest will just sit at the piano now and just play like, yeah. and, and with a determination that I'm so proud of, like, like a grit, like the, yeah. that, that, that's what I had. Like I, I am not a, like, I was the first person to admit that I'm, and all the people who ever played with me would be like, Dave is not a natural musician. Like, like I just sat there and did it like, you but know. that, but that is natural. Right, right, right. Yeah. Like I was just in reality. To, yeah. I was just lucky to get the grit to do, to whatever it was to like push through. And then, that, that's but the, I, that's the most punk rock of, of, of ways to approach, you know, like, like songcraft. You, yeah. you just make the decision. This is, this is how I'm going to express myself. It doesn't matter if there's some sort of like, quote unquote, God given talent or whatnot. Like my son, right. for example, comes from like on my wife's side, a long line of jazz greats. Okay. Oh, wow. My yeah. wife, my wife's great uncle played with, um, not Benny Goodman, uh, Duke Ellington. And he was the best man in one of his weddings. Holy and cow. like, like, uh, Lawrence Lucy is his name. He is mm -hmm. like a preeminent, like, like big, big jazz guitarist. He's awesome. a, an innovator. Um, you look up Lawrence Lucy is, and he played with Billy holiday. Okay. Oh my gosh. He was, he was in his hundreds when he died. So my son wow. comes from jazz royalty. Yeah. That man was born with something that is like, you know, God given, I would say. Yeah. Uh, then there's people like my father and myself, both musicians, both mm -hmm. busted in because we knew we had to, it wasn't yeah. born to us. It wasn't, it, it wasn't a gift, but it was certainly a necessity and yeah, that's yeah. that's what makes it punk rock to me yeah yeah and then the, the wonderful thing about punk is that it you shouldn't feel like that you can't do it yeah you know feel, like go for it you know like mm -hmm. um and i had to kind of i actually feel like being in a in a rap band was like a great start for me because it was like this it was it was another like i i viewed it as kind of punk in a way but also like once i strapped on a guitar and just started singing or screaming whatever like yeah. that was easier like just with a mic in my hand like being in front of a crowd was like it's harder and rapping and remembering all that stuff and you cannot believe how off time I was when I started. Like, like I was, I'm like the, I could get the guys in my band to, to tell you stories about how they would like have to like clap their hands, like to get me on just a four, four beat. Like that. I didn't even, I thought I understood music and I was like, why can't I get this? And then finally I was like, Oh, and it wasn't, that's the other thing is it's not this 
innate thing that the innate thing was wanting to do it and the drive to do it. Yep. And now it's, and then it just kind of unleashed the floodgates of like, you know, this, um, then I could finally start to funnel my creativity through it. There you have it, folks. The end of part one of my interview with Dave Neesmith. I'll be coming at you with part two in about a week's time. I hope you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed Dave. He's a sweet, sweet man. Um, Just one of the nicest people you'd ever want to meet, truly. Um, I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. And I hope you come back for part two. Next week will be another two-episode week. So hold on to your hats. And until then, he's been Dave. I've been Peter. You've been beautiful. And this has been the book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. Take care, everybody. Have a great night.